Right, welcome one and all. It's another episode of the Information Revolution, a podcast for those who never met a data they didn't like. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) No, but we're here to talk about uh, information, architecture, management, governance, how things are changing and uh, how things might need to change. So for today's topic, uh, basically, we thought we'd keep going on what we were talking about last time, um, thinking about if you're not focused on retention and disposal, you know, if retention is not part of your day job, then what is it that you're doing if you work in records and information? So we'll do the quick intros. So my name is Michael Upton. I'm a director of Metataxis New Zealand, a consulting company here in Wellington. Uh, and I'm focused on managing digital information. And I'm Judy Verno. I'm also with Metataxis New Zealand in Wellington, and I'm an information architect. Great, and I'm Carl Melrose. Uh, in the week that we're shooting this, I'm actually between jobs, which is a bit interesting. Um, <laughs> but I start with Castle Point Systems in the next uh, in a couple of weeks' time, and you know I've been around the information industry for a while now. Nice one. So, yeah, for tensions off the table, Carl, why don't you kick us off? What, what else would you be looking at? Yeah, so for me, it, it's got to be information quality because I, if we're not here to improve information quality, and, and that really means improving the results of our organisations through better quality information, um, I, I don't know what there is for us to do if we're if we're in a world where that stuff doesn't matter. Um, and, you know, I, I think that, you know, my personal viewpoint on this stuff is that we we need to take ownership of that. And I think that even if, you know, regardless of whether we, we have to manage retention or not, or whether we're thinking about that, we need to take ownership of managing quality because we're the only people who really understand it. You know, business managers, you know, they just don't. Um, that unless they've worked in a really high quality information environment before and then they've come into a really low quality information environment and then all of a sudden they get it. But the, I, I think one of the things that really holds us back um, is how we articulate quality. And, you know, my my way of, I guess, articulating quality is probably quite different to everyone else's. You know, when we talk about quality, because we are technical specialists, you know, we have a we have a discipline that has a set of techniques that go with it, and we are well trained in those techniques. You know, we talk about accuracy, timeliness, completeness. You know, all of those sorts of dimensions. No one knows what to do with that. But the the way I talk about it is really simple, and you know, I borrowed it from someone else, and it's so long ago that I borrowed it, I can't even remember who it was. Um, but it's it's does it meet the spec? And the thing about that is that you've got to specify your information. So, you know, if you say that, you know, when we talk about quality, we tend to think about quality in terms of, you know, like Mercedes is high quality or, uh, I, I don't know, pick your luxury brand. We tend to look at that and we say that's high quality. So quality is some sort of version of, you know, deluxeness or something like that. But, you know, what quality is really about is a specification, in, a, in at least in a business context. And so, you know, if you say that, you know, the information that we need for this, process needs to be specified at this level you know it needs to be specified like this you know um crm system you know we need this person's name their phone number their title um and the organization they work for and then you get information that doesn't meet that spec 
well, you have low quality information. If you have the right quality of information, you have quality that meets the spec. Now, the thing about that is that you actually have to write the spec. And that means that you have to sit down with someone who understands what the process needs. And you've got to say, right, what are the information needs of this process? And then let's specify the, that information in that way. And then let's figure out how we make sure that every single time one of your people gets that information, it's delivered at that specification. Now, and Bridget, can I just ask you there, Cole? Yep. Your your example was a, a data-based example of quality. You know, you need the yep. right name in that field and the right address or whatever it is. But are you also talking about what we love to call unstructured information, documents and Absolutely. images and and, and how does that work? Well, I mean, it works it works exactly the same way. You know, I mean, what I've just said is really system agnostic. You know, I mean, if, you, if you've got a, you know, if you're at a council and you've got a customer service desk and you've got a form there that someone needs to write some details on so that a customer service representative can call them back to do something or, you know, they want to lodge a development application. So, you know, you've got a form for them and they've got to write some details down on it. Well, there is going to be a certain amount of information that you need in order to process that request. And if you don't give somebody that information, they're not going to be able to process that request. And, you know, you go through processes as well and you start to look at different aspects of quality. I mean, what, what you actually mentioned is perfect in some ways because I, I, I was actually thinking of a CRM use case that, you know, I, I in the last business that I was in um, when I said that. But when you start to think about your ability to automate a process, well, that's a qualitative shift as well. Mm, you know, sure. if you say, you know, if your specification is we need name, phone number, address, whatever, um, and it just needs to be on this piece, of, this piece of paper because a person's going to take that and enter it into something or do something with it, then that's one level of quality. But if you then want to say, well, we need to produce a result with this business process in you know, in less than 20 minutes and there's 15 steps and the only way we can possibly do that is to, you know, be able to punch it into a business system somewhere that can then do some automated stuff to get that result in 20 minutes. That's the kind of thing that you've got to specify. Mm. And, yep. uh, you know, I, I guess to, because I may not be articulating it very well, um, I, I use the DICAR model to talk about this stuff as well, which I know you've heard me bang on about, mm. you know, ad nauseum, data, information, Do it. Do it. knowledge, actions and results. Basically, it's a nice way of tying information quality to the results that your organisation gets, um, you know, and it's just really that, you know, your results are determined by the actions that you take. Actions are determined, you know, your ability to decide what action to take is determined by your knowledge. You know, how well your knowledge can work is determined by the quality of the information you give someone to actually make a decision. So it ties really tightly. It just lets you tie really tightly the quality of information to the quality of results. But the one that the one that I always, I, I think, makes it really real is that, you know, there was an agency that um, I spent some time with a couple of years ago and they had their records in a, in, you know, almost exclusively paper records and they had them in a storage center in one in one town and then they had their records team in a um, another city and then they had the processing center where all the work got done in another city and so every time somebody you know in this city over here wanted to work on a case they'd make a request to the records team who would bring back the record from their off-site storage facility you know two day two day ETA then they'd Good pull location. it out of the box. Yep, they pull it out of the box, you know, 
pack it, send it to the person who actually needed to needed to get the work done. Now, worst case scenario, four day process costs one hundred and fifty dollars. So you have uh, if you know there is an emergent specification, right? If you haven't sat down and proactively specified your information, then there's a specification there. You just haven't articulated it. You know that specification is all our stuffs on paper in offsite storage. It's four days away and it costs one hundred and fifty dollars to get. So if you then want to sit down and do something like say, well, we want our customer service team to be able to provide service over the phone in real time, then you've got a problem because you know that your information is four days away and costs $150. So if you, unless you've got someone who's prepared to stay on the phone for four days, waiting for that information to arrive, then you have a, a, a problem with the way your information is specified that, present, that prevents you from doing that thing. And so you can sit down and you can actually say to a business unit manager, okay, if you'd like to provide service in real time, then here's how we need to specify the information. You know, maybe all it is is that, you know, we just need to run a digitization project because all of that information needs to be available for a customer service oper operator in a business system that they can, you know, get to quickly. So, you know, if someone calls in, they go, right, I'm going to go to my ECM or whatever system it is, and I'm just going to go to the records for that thing. That's how that, you know, that, that that's how you actually achieve that real-time service. And you can't do that if your information is on paper four days away. You know, if you want to be able to say, we want to reduce the cost of customer service to, you know, under, you know, $10 per interaction. Well, you know, if it costs $150 to get your information back from offsite storage, and, you know, if you actually tallied up all the people time involved in that as well, I think you'd end up with a lot more money. Um, you've got a you've got a yeah. quality factor of your information here that says you can't achieve that. So if you if you go to people and you start saying, right, what results do you want to achieve? And they give you think, you know, characteristics of, well, we want to work this quickly. We want this cost per unit, those sorts of things then you can start to say, well, here is how we need to specify your information in order to achieve that. And mm -hmm. here yep. are the, you know, and then you can go and talk to your technical architects and everybody else about how you actually build a business system, do a digitization project, um, whatever it happens to be, so that you can meet that spec. Did that make sense? Yeah, 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 perfectly. Yep. And, uh, yeah, so... Uh, as I understand it, you're essentially saying that you identify uh, quality in the sense of um, the characteristics of the process and its outcomes and outputs, and then you go, right, well, what are the um, attributes or dimensions of the information that, you know, have, have to be true for us to meet that, that bar, basically? Yeah, absolutely. You just articulated that. You just took my five minute, you know, <laughs> try, try and articulate it in about four seconds. I think that's yeah. that's relatively easy, I would imagine, to specify. Yeah, probably relatively easy when you're thinking about a process. Um, hmm, how could I express this um, around something easy like um, permissioning or uh, customer relationship management, as you said, or, you know, those things that really are very data-centric. I, I wonder how it would work, and I think it would be a fantastic thing to explore this. I really seriously do. Um, around running a project or a policy development 
or something like that. I mean, I think it would be a really great thing to do. What are the what are the documents we should actually be producing on this team, this team of policymakers? You know, rather than all these thousands of documents that you're doing, what are we actually what should we actually be doing? That yeah. that would be really cool. I never, I never quite thought about it like that before, but I think that would think, be a very um, interesting thing to do, and probably mean that there's far less stuff out there because it's not part of, you know, yeah, it's fair, that it's agreed fair. process. A little confining, possibly, but. Uh, I, and I think, I think that one of the one of the decisions you have to make along the way is, should we do this? Mm. You know, and can we do this? And, you know, I, I think yeah, there are use cases like work. policy writing where, you know, I mean, <laughs> look, I, I guess, you know, there's there's going to be certain data associated with those sorts of things that people are going to, you know, if you sit down with a really sharp policy analyst, they're going to be able to say, you know, these are the characteristics of the research data that I want. Um, or, but, but, I mean, in terms of uh, specifying uh, the process, the problem with this, with, with, with all this stuff is that, you know, if you've got a simple, if you've got a simple problem to solve, like permissioning and those kinds of things, and you know, obviously there are some complicated aspects that go with that. But hmm. you know, if you've got a process where you can sit down and you can say, here is the process start to finish, and here are the decision points along the way, then hmm. I, I think you can, I, I think you can do this much more simply. But I think there is really a conversation to be had around what level of complicatedness does this process need to get to before we start to say this is really something that's done by people with expertise and you know and and there are going to be limits to what we can achieve and i mean for me you know i mean business systems um business systems do a brilliant job of automating lots of simple processes and you know complete start to finish automation i think there's lots of stuff where you need expertise where you need people along the way and i mean those processes they're the ones that are going to drive you know unstructured and semi-structured data in organizations forever because there are just going to be too many branches in a business process and you know too many ifs buts thens things you can't think about ahead of time yeah if you try if you try and if you try and specify a business system for that, I mean, you're just going to fail because, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, there's yeah. Just, just too many branches in the decision process. There's, there's, so, I mean, there's, there's a great principle that automation makes sense at scale. So if you have to do the same process over and over and over, you know, then, yeah, automation makes sense. But actually, if all these branches mean that really your process isn't exactly the same or all the steps keep varying slightly you know if you just keep saying oh it depends it depends it depends then yeah then that's not a good use case for automation yeah I wondered, there's also um, this i wondered fi- fi- final comment okay. there's also this there's also this thing too where right the, the re- one of the reasons i like the die car model is that you can sit down and you can say you know we've got to produce this result what's the gain from producing that result and then you know we need to improve the quality of our information in order to do that so what's the cost of that? And, you know, if the cost outweighs the gain, you just don't do it. You know, if you've got yeah. a team of eight people yeah, writing sure. po- writing policy in an agency yeah. and you can sit down and say that, you know, the in order to build, the, you know, to give them the information specified the way that, you know, to build a system to give them the information specified the way they need it, you know, it's going to cost us $10 million because there's just so many branches and we're going to need 40 BAs. And you just sit down and say, well, that's just not worth doing. Because mm-hmm. you know what, we've we've got eight people who are doing that job already, and they do a fine job of it. And you know, 
we're just not going to we're not going to play that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, I might jump in. The, um, yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, yes. Yeah, no, no, no. That's fine. That's fine. So the um, like what you've been saying, Carl, really ties in beautifully with what I was thinking about last time about um, the idea of basically looking for short term gains. Go and fix a go and fix an immediate problem for someone. And you know, I was kind of just trying to give those of you listening a bit of a nudge in terms of you know a lot of work around information and records is thinking really long term and i'm saying that if you can sink some effort into really short-term things that creates this really positive situation for you where basically people want to and you know um use your services basically is one way to look at it you know if you're doing it using that kind of commercial mindset um and that then kind of gives you some freedom to do those other things that perhaps are not immediately connected to sort of cost benefit but um but in terms of what you're saying carl i mean that those kinds of activities that kind of analysis of like well what's your process and what's the information related to the process currently look like that that's exactly the kind of thing i had in mind you know when i say go and fix a short-term problem so for instance if someone said um we don't understand the status of our work well, then, you know, information folks are in a really good position to go, well, let's help you with your reporting. We might, yeah. we might not, you know, we might go, oh, that's BI or something, you know, like, but, but actually in terms of just thinking through, well, what information do you need? How do you need to access it? In what time frames? You know, how could we structure this so that it's repeatable, so that it's reliable? Um, you know, uh, those, those kind of, getting into the nuts and bolts, those kinds of things about where you do want structured data to describe things so that you can run reports or so you can create dashboards or so you can trigger workflows. You know, that that's the kind of stuff that I really see as the direction that information management is going in or I would like to see it going yeah. as well, you know. And I think it's, it's interesting that this sort of crosses over a little bit with both sort of um, and technical architecture to some point, but I'm I'm really thinking. I mean, we're really just talking about information architecture. I think there, but also with business analysis. You know, I think, I think, I, I think I've probably said this one before. I'm, I'm not necessarily saying that information management folks need to go out and swat up on formal BA courses, but if you are out there in the world and you discover the wild variety of things that people who call themselves BAs actually do. I think what I'm proposing, which is that kind of idea of looking at people's processes and figuring out how you can shift the information quality to shift the outcome of the process. You know, I think, I think that's kind of a BA kind of a thing to do. Um, And and really we're just, we're just, we're just breaking down a business with a slightly different lens, you know, that focus on information. Yeah. And I, I don't, I don't think you can build an information architecture without those BA skills to a degree or, yeah, a flavor of them, if you like, uh, because yeah. you've, you've got to find out from the business what exactly what you've just said, really, what, what mm-hmm. they need, what the information flows are, all of that good stuff is very much BA kind of uh, things that they do. And then the information architect needs to put that together to work with the business obviously to decide what that architecture needs to look like going forwards um i i think there's a real danger with the information architecture that we stop at thinking about it as we're just designing buckets for people to stick stuff in oh yeah yeah no 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 yeah it goes in there oh oh (laughs) (laughs) now you've really upset me (laughs) good good (laughs) 
What would you say to that, And that's actually just as a little side thing. It's one point absolutely against getting in an information architect like me <laughs> as a consultant, because you need someone there who's looking after it the whole time, feeding it, watering it, you know, helping to make sure that it's doing what your end users need. So, hey, guys, don't hire me. Um, yeah you you need to have this fed and watered the whole time to make sure that it's still fit for purpose yeah Um, one thing i wanted to say uh from last week is we had our list of um what should we be doing if uh retention and disposal is off the table and uh, thinking about it afterwards which ties in i think particularly with what michael was saying is um we didn't well, we didn't mention education, which I think is also something that um, should be going on the whole time anyway. Mm-hmm. I mean, whether or not <laughs> retention and disposal are on the table. Um, yeah, that that's a, an activity in my mind which needs to go on the whole time. And that fits in very well with, when I say education, I mean educating the users, helping them to understand how to do this thing. But also I think that ties in really well with what you were saying, Michael, which is also kind of, it's part education, but part advertising, if you like. Mm. Hey, here here we are, the IMIA people. We can help you. We can help you to do your work better Mm. in all kinds of ways, partly by giving you new tools to help you and partly by helping you to understand how you can help yourselves and each other by doing mm. these things in different ways and the organization, of course. But, yeah. Yeah. I, I yeah, think totally. people problem sensitive. Like that's, that's one of right. the functions of education, you know, that, that we get people to a point where they know to ask for more. You know, I think at the, yeah. at the start of the call I was talking about, you know, business managers don't know what a high-quality information environment looks like unless they've worked in one before and then they've come into a low quality information environment. And I think education, what you're saying there, I think is, you know, it's one way of helping people see that, okay, the way we're working, there's another way and Mm. we can have better quality information Mm. and it can help us lead more effectively and manage more effectively. You know, I mean, what our, our South Australian friend, um, Carl Hines, um, you know, one one of the critical things that he talks about in his program down there is he talks about um, his digital, uh, I forget what he calls it, but it's a digital literacy type program, which is just mm. helping people understand, you know, what digital is in a little bit, you know, of a better way. And I think he, you know, he, I think he really feels like that's a really important part of building that virtuous cycle. You know, it's equipping people so they know they can ask for something better. Mm. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. Um, and and I would say, um, I guess I'm kind of focusing on the negative that you know I wouldn't want to see that education be sort of like we're going to tell you all about our regulatory system and our frameworks. No, quite. And stuff. You know, <laughs> yeah, that idea of education in the sense of opening people's eyes to opportunities yeah. that they've got or perhaps risks around how they do work now. You know, that's that's the kind of stuff that. Yeah, I totally agree. It would you know be fantastic, and I think uh, probably not for right now, but it, it'd be a really interesting conversation we could have around the culture of organisations with regards to yeah. information, because um, particularly when I'm running training related to records management and systems and things for people, I, I think about 
how everyone kind of when they're thinking about a system is rightly thinking about the technology but but so much of the complexity is actually in the people yeah and in the, totally. in the ways of working and so on and the competing um you know c- competing priorities in terms of people just getting getting their work done and you know what they care about in the work day so being organized yeah yeah just being organized yeah i think i mean i, think I, I look showing at... people ways they can do things simply I'll take a really basic, you know, example when we're talking about um, uh, Microsoft 365, the, you know, the ability to spin up a SharePoint list and have a sort of clean data entry form instead of mucking around in a spreadsheet. That's like one of those little qualitative steps where it's suddenly yeah. like, oh, okay, you know, we can actually drive collection of information in a more consistent and easier way so that we can be more organized. And, you know, and being more organized in that case might mean so that we can report on stuff or we can just see the status of where we're at or we can refer back to the last time something happened because we've got some structured information that we can use to kind of um, just filter and sort and find results. So, yeah. But and it's I mean, commonly accessible. It doesn't have all of the problems that spreadsheets have, you know, where, you know, if multiple people need access yeah. to the same data at the same time, you know. Yeah. Yeah. They don't have it in a spreadsheet. So what does someone do? They make a copy and then, <laughs> you know, and then the world basically ends. I mean, it, yeah. yeah. I think the flip side, I, I shouldn't get derailed into that stuff, but, you know, <laughs> there, there's always that risk when people are creating bespoke point solutions. You know, there's, there's all these things that go wrong there, but those risks exist when people are mucking around with spreadsheets and creating links between them. Anyone who's done an EDRMS, uh, you know, migration and mm. had to fret about why the finance team has stitched 70 different, uh, spreadsheets together, you know, yep. they they understand the risks in this stuff, but um, you know, but the, the, as with all things, there's pros and cons, right? There's there's real benefits in being able to have little systems that allow people to get more organised. Yeah, I mean, I look at historically too. You know, what what records? I I have this thing that I I need to go and do some serious research about it because I'm starting to talk about it a bit more. But, you know, I mean, I have this belief that governments basically needed two things. And I think I've banged on about this before, you know. I was actually last week. (laughs) Yeah, well, (laughs) but but they need an army. They need an army and they need records. And, you know, records Mm. is all about being organised. So I, I keep seeing so many of the problems that records had to solve 20 years ago are just not problems anymore. But that problem of helping people be organised, I think, is the one that people are really crying out for help with. And they don't they don't really know they have it as a problem. But information architecture, I think, just has so much to offer, you know, in helping yeah. people organise their work and be organised in terms of how they go about it. And I think, you know, if the records management profession were going to focus on anything over the next 10 years that I think would help them really you know, create that virtuous cycle that, you know, of people coming to them and saying, you know, hey, I need help with this. It would be helping people organise their work, you know. Here is a workflow, you know, here is a list, um, you know, here is a Power BI report that's based on the workflow and the list so that we can see the status of work all the time. Mm. I think that's yep. meaningful work. 100%. So I think, I think there is a real opportunity to kind of expand the scope of what we think of as, you know, being a practitioner out there doing information management. Definitely. And time-wise, that good pretty places. much yeah. is probably a good place to, to wrap it up for today. So hope you've enjoyed listening. Um, 
once again, if you listen to this and you think, oh, I'd like to be in on this show, then um, please do get in touch with us. We are looking for guests in the future. So uh, thanks one and all, and we'll catch you next time. Bye for now.